Recorded live. Okay, good evening. Welcome to the Helping Other States conference call for Thursday, June the 15th, 2017 at 7.43 p.m. start time. Here are the Bivens decision this meeting is prior bearing false witness, misrepresentation, posting, inflammatory, and public forums is forbidden shall be addressed in an appropriate manner. Eliminate all conflict or false allegations. Is there anyone in attendance at today's meeting? As a member or agent of any law enforcement agency or public agency, the federal, state, county, city, or township agency is present. Is there any responsibility decision for the first time? Here and on, once again, this meeting is private, bearing false witness, misrepresentation, posting, inflammatory, in public forums is forbidden, shall be addressed in an appropriate manner. Eliminate all conflict or false allegations. Is there anyone in attendance at today's meeting? As a member or agent of any law enforcement agency or public agency, the federal, state, county, city, or township agencies present, and is there a responsibility for the second time? Here now, third and final time, this being inspired by false witness, misrepresentation, posting inflammatory rights in public forums is forbidden, shall be addressed in the appropriate manner. Eliminate all conflict or false allegations. Is there anyone intends to today's meeting as a member or agent of any law enforcement or public agency of federal, state, county, city, or township agencies present, and is there a responsibility for the third and final time? Here none. You can join me number nine, join dot me forward slash six two four dash four nine three dash nine nine seven. Again that's six two four dash four nine three dash nine nine seven. Six two four four nine three dash nine nine seven. Correct? Yeah, there's there's dashes always in between. Uh, yeah. Yep. Okay, Paul, your floor. Thank you very much, Nick. <clears throat> Who's all on for Michigan tonight? Buck, are you on? Yes. Yeah, I'm sitting here. Very good. Is uh, Linda? Linda, are you on? Linda and Dan aren't on. Okay. From what we were talking about, we had letters to the editor because it didn't cost us anything. And I know I had a series of four articles that we put in. And we just never got any response to it. Uh, maybe people are too busy to pay attention or bother to read or what. I don't know. Are you? Well, I don't know. This guy was somebody that I had been told by two other people in Iowa who came to my uh, law class over the weekend that both of them said, actually three of them said, uh, two, well, actually two of them said to the gentleman that introduced me to the to those two gentlemen, he, you should have Dave talk to the name of this guy, and I, I forget his name. Todd McLeavy. Owns the, owns the paper. 
So um, I'm supposed to talk to him, and they both said, yeah, this is someone you should talk to and, and, lay, and lay all this out. And and then after that, he would probably grant you a column. So this is something that we're doing because all of these guys have rapport with this particular owner of this paper. So yeah. we've got a different scenario kind of going on here. We're kind of cheating. <laughs> Yeah, a little background about him. He is um, a constitutionalist. He started, or he was had very active in the Constitutional Party, and he has. Um, uh, he was, uh, I don't know how active in the Tea Party, but very interestingly, there is a gentleman by the name of Michael. What's his last name? Bad Bad I mean, how do you pronounce it? He was the head of the Labour team presidential candidate, he wrote a book on the sovereign and um, how to survive the next civil war. I'm not sure that I remember. Uh, Dave, I mean, I think you have the exact um, name, but Todd McGreevy had actually written, uh, uh, how should I say it, endorsement. That's the correct term. You know, at the back of the book, you have all the people who are endorsing it. So he had been selected to endorse the book, which is a good thing. David, what does Michael Badnery, how does he feel about, well, first of all, have you talked to him about the formation of assemblies? I've talked to him about everything. I've probably spent in the last month somewhere upwards of 30 hours on the phone with him. How does he feel about our effort, about what we have accomplished? How, like, he must have, when you have a, an idea, when you know something needs done, you've always got a plan running in your head about if we do this, this, and this, it'll get accomplished. What goes through his head? Well, I opened up the discussion with him regarding the popular assemblies and the issue about us getting back the possession of our own grand juries. And, of course, that was one of the first conversations we had because I obviously had to talk to the man and convince him to edit my grand jury handbook, which we're doing. Um, he... But we both agreed that it was an educational thing. We also both agreed that it was a motivational thing. We also agreed that there have been a lot of defeats and a lot of different other groups, movements, attempts at things that either didn't end up going somewhere or were co-opted uh, for the wrong reasons. And I said, well, that's the main reason I wanted to write this handbook is because I wanted to get to the absolute core of what a popular assembly is, the reason why it's protected by the First Amendment, and that this is where all of your power lies because it deals with numbers. It deals with large numbers of people getting together and deliberating upon their rights. I mean, that's literally the definition of popular assembly. And so he agreed with that. Um, we just had a 
I guess a disagreement, not really a disagreement, but just a, a, a difference in opinion, I guess, as far as how, not the, not so much the how, but the, the ability to get it done at all. You got he's been, a, you know, he's been in this fight longer than me by about five years, um, 10, if you want to consider the other aspects of what he did before that. Um, and he's just to a point where he just doesn't feel that there's enough people willing to change, even if they are given the proper information as to how to do it. I tend to disagree. I say that it just simply hasn't been boiled down enough in the proper way and with clear understanding as to what needs to be done so that it's not, you don't have to go through 20,000 pages to figure out how to do something that you can give somebody a concise handbook and say, look, this is what these terms mean. This is where they came from. This is the history of where they came from. And this is why it's still important because they're still in full force and effect now. And so he is supportive from the aspect of getting the popular assemblies going and obviously doing the grand, grand doing the grand jury handbook or else he wouldn't have agreed to do it. But he ha- we haven't had any very specific conversations specifically regarding assemblies per se. And he, if I remember correctly, he was not particularly aware of any one particular state of what they were doing for the exception of the things that have gone on in Texas because obviously that's where he's at. So we didn't have any long conversations, say, particularly about Michigan, um, if that was specifically what you were asking. Yes. We we homeschooled our children in the tail end of and we were hooked up with uh, connected to people that were writing homeschool publications and we also had a problem with taking the children out of school so we signed up with their association and they helped us with the paperwork so the government didn't pose a problem and they stressed government they stressed government a lot in the home review went and got the books that they recommended that you have for studying not only history but for studying government and civics and and this whole thing was like you need to know this along with reading writing and arithmetic you need to know how the government functions and you need to know you're a part of it, and you need to know the intertwining in the relationship. And uh, this this whole thing is, I, I tell people, <clears throat> I may seem like I'm tremendously outspoken, but I tell people that I can be born, go through school, get a job, retire at 65, go fishing, have a big television and a fancy lawnmower, make it through life without being scathed one bit, but also without contributing or without understanding or having zero comprehension of the true reality around him. So why exert the effort? And socialism on top of that, what I just told you, is really compounds a problem for finding in, in, enough people like the two points you just made here, education and motivation. 
You know, when things are going well, what do they tell us? Leave them alone. Well, the problem is that things are not going well. And and to try to draw them into that avenue of beginning to understand that the power is in their hands, always has been, and always will be. Would you comment on that? Yeah, I agree. And the thing that, one of the other things that Mike and I talked about was that he's he's good friends with G. Edward Griffin, the gentleman that wrote uh, Creature from Jekyll Island. And Mr. Griffin always makes a point in his writings that this the main crux of this whole, if you want to have a two-sided, you know, a light and a dark type of fight going on here, it's the difference between collectivism and individual. Are you going to focus your first sentence out of your mouth in a way and in a form that per, that that perpetuates and protects and adjudicates if it's dealing with a court case individual rights or are you going to try to perpetuate a collectivism type of mentality which is in socialism and communism and is in direct violation and contradistinction to to civics, which is the study of one's personal rights, the individual, the focus of the individual, and what power they have in a constitutional republic. So we had that discussion. And the see, that's where I want to focus in the, in the hook and the cliffs. Our, every single issue is going to deal with the individual, empowering the individual. If you can empower the individual without having them feel the need to, not so much the not feeling the need because, again, no man is an, no man is an island, but that they have to empower themselves first. And that, that, was what, that was what Mike and I came to, came, to, came to conclusion of. We're like, we have to teach people how to free themselves. I can't free you myself, nor can you be free simply by joining me because that's a collectivism ideology. Um, you know, join the herd to be protected. Well, that's not exactly how a constitutional public works. In a constitutional public, each man with the law is a majority. And that was what this nation was based on, a nation of laws um, and a process by which those can be brought forward, a process by which they're annulled, a process by which they're ratified, a process by which they're adjudicated, and a process by which they're understood through a proper civics course. And those critical aspects of that is what allows someone to know their own power as an individual and not have to be sucked into this collectivism mentality about oh, I got to do what the Joneses do or, oh, because, you know, because everybody else jumps off the cliff, I have to do it too, you know, the lemming, the lemming mentality. Um, so that was what we, that was something else that we talked about. And I, I'm trying to make that a point in my writing that I agree with G. Edward Griffith that that's where it starts. It starts between the difference between the individual and the collective and, and all of those aspects that, that bring that forward. So. That's my two cents on it. When the people left the farms and the people left the rural areas, 
and the small shops disappeared. And the people farming were no longer there. There was a been a thing on television here where I can't think it's either Myers or Walmart has opened a store in Sault Ste. Marie. And the first thing I thought about is all the little shops and all the little hardwares and places where people will go to get what they needed. You know, those those places would be out of business in a year. Not all of them, but a lot of them will be because people will just go to the big store, get what they need, and go home. They won't bother with a guy on the corner. But in doing this, they have no, they do not have any idea whatsoever of what constructs an economy and how an economy functions and why it's important for there to be economic action between all the members of a society that they not rely on each other, but interact with each other in a way that it keeps the community together economically. I yeah, I, I huh. think that, you know, <laughs> I think Sam would have beat the hell out of every one of his kids if he knew what they were doing now. Seriously. Oh, I agree with you. They said that he wanted all American stuff and a fair wage for the people and a fair price for the product. <laughs> right. That that was exactly it. Everything used everything in Walmart used to be made in America. Yeah. I got a, something here I want to pass on to everybody on the call tonight. Paul sent me this book in a in an e form. It is a fruit from a poisonous tree by Mel Stamper. David, have you ever read that book? Give me the title again, I'm gonna Google it. Fruit F R U I T from a Poisonous tree. Did you say from? From, mm -hmm. yeah, from a poisonous fruit. tree. Fruit from a poisonous tree, okay. Mm -hmm. and it's very famous, yeah. Is Mel Stamper. S-T-A-M-T-E-R. And he also wrote another... One. This one here is 284 pages, and you also wrote another one that's about 50 pages, is a lawsuit is an act of war. And I, I oh. looked on the Internet, and I can't find anything else this guy has written, but he's collab collaborated with other people on writings. But this fruit from a poisonous tree, I had that whole thing and I skimmed through it and stopped at different pages and read a couple sentences and I'll tell you what, it's like get a big jug of coffee and open the first page because you're not going to want to go anywhere else. All the, all the wrongdoings that's ever happened in this country are all spelled out so the common, ordinary, everyday guy with his vocabulary can understand perfectly and exactly what happened. It is a fantastic read. And it doesn't read like a conspiracy theorist book. It reads like these two guys got together, and this is what they did, and this is why, and this is who they were working for, and this is what they got accomplished, and this is a disability that it put in place for the American people. Wow. Excuse me, Paul Senior. What was the author's name again? Mel. M-E-L. Okay. And his last name is Stamper. S is in Sam, T is in Tom, A is in Abel, M is in Mary, T is in Paul, 
E as in Edgar, R as in Robert. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Good to have yeah, you just, on tonight. Yeah. I just found the PDF. Um, I just found a PDF of it. I I have uh, a a lawsuit is an act of war. I have that because that was on um, Bill Thornton put that on his website years ago. So I have a copy of that, but I did not have a copy of this one. But I did just find one. Um, um, anybody needs it, I suppose I can I say I can send an email to you guys to Comsec. It's a PDF if you guys want it. I mean, if you already have it, fine. If not, then yeah. Well, Nick, you can get into my system and and send to Illinois the uh, what Paul sent me if you want. You can send it down to them through Comsec. I'd um, I'd like to approach the floor. I want to read to you the first line from Wikipedia. This is very interesting. The term fruit of, of the poisonous tree, but here they say of, not from, is a legal metaphor in the United States used to describe evidence that is obtained illegally. The logic of the terminology is that if the source, the tree, or the evidence, or the evidence itself is tainted, then everything gained, the fruit from it, is tainted as well. The fruit or the poisonous tree doctrine was first described in Silverthorne Lumber Company versus United States, 1920. The, fir- the term's first use was by Justice Felix Frankfurter in Nardone versus United States in 1939. Huh, I did not know this. Very yeah, important. This, yeah. <clears throat> this is quite a revealing. When I looked up on uh, Amazon, I always go down to the critics. And... Uh, the first fellow on there said it all. He said, this should be required reading in high school for every student. You know, and he hit the nail right on the head. It is a tremendous book. John, have you got something that you would like to throw into this conversation? Uh, I'm listening, frantically listening. I want to get that fruit from a poisonous tree. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, Nick can take it off my outfit and, and send it to you guys. Okay. okay. Buck, have you got something you want to throw out onto the floor in this discussion? I just made an observation after I was listening to you talk about how there are collusions between different individuals to set up a certain occurrence to happen, which we end up finding to be a pitfall for us, when the Republic is back full notch and really kicking but caught myself on that one, didn't I? <laughs> I think these people have laid out on paper what they should be charged with and how they have meaningfully and unpurposefully tried to take us down and cause us to, to have complete failure. So put that in the back of your mind, people. When we're up and running full tilt with our own sheriffs and marshals, every form of enforcement we got, plus the top people that will be running the country, that these people need to get tucked away 
so far away that they won't even be able to see their shoestrings, and I'll yield on that. Emily, would you like to bring something into this discussion? Um, I just look at the education um, business, if you want to call it, and how miseducated our country has become because there are certain um, things that the powers that be want us to know and certain things that they don't want us to know. And I'm looking at how homeschooling has become, is becoming more and more um, prevalent, and I, I'm not quite sure charter schools are the answer because, you know, I have been involved with, um, you know, looking at charter schools as well as public education. And I, I, I'm just extremely upset with the way our children have been miseducated. I have to find this one email that a friend sent me that gave a um, exit test, so to speak, of eighth graders in the 1800s. And I looked at those questions, and I don't think very many people today could answer all those. That was an eighth grade level then. And we have students who are um, graduating from high school or being pushed out of, uh, of schools, and they cannot even do simple math, cannot read. Their grammar is atrocious. And I just think we're doing such a disservice, probably purposely, to our, our, our children. And I, I, I guess I could go on <laughs> and on and on on that. But um, I, I guess I'll yield at this point. We're not only financing and directing our demise, we also have to find time to correct it. Yes. Well, there's so many diversions now that that uh, younger people don't want to read, they don't want to learn, they don't, well, they don't even know what education is anymore. And I look, at, I look at um, encyclopedias are probably a thing of the past. Right. And I, and I look at um, libraries and uh, bookstores, and I love holding a book in my hand and being able to feel the binding and turn the pages and scan the words. And I, I, I talk to so many people who just would rather dial it in and listen to a, um, um, an audio book or, um, you know, download the book on their tablet. Now, that's fine if you're traveling and you just want to read a book, but uh, what's wrong with having an actual physical book? I think, you know, books are going to become a thing of the past as well. And I yield. Um, I'd like to push the floor. Yes. 
I think it's very, very important in, on the heels of what Emily is saying and the observations that are being made that we have a very strong arm uh, or strong branch, I should say, of actually teaching the young ones. Not only the like the, the, the newspapers, that's for those who are much older, but the young yes. ones for some of these the, these concepts and I don't exactly know how, but I feel that uh, there has to be a forum or a system set up working with adults who want to teach, whether you call it civics or, you know, civics is for want of a better word. That's an excellent term to use or history or however. I used. Now, there's another side of the coin, too. If parents don't support education, then the child has no incentive or is not pushed to learn what he needs to know to get along in life. And so much of your, um, so much of your special ed classes, are that's all they're teaching is life skills, how to balance your checkbook. You know, they're not taught math anymore. They're not taught, in, taught English. They're just taught the bare minimum to get along in life. And uh, that'll only take them just so far, and then they're lost again. Hey, you. Well, and I, I agree with you, John. Um, and, of course, I, I was in the public school system for almost 40 years. So I saw the good, the bad, and the ugly. I saw those parents who were very supportive of their children getting gaining knowledge. And they did so through not only the um, specified regiment, but they also made sure that their children had other hands-on experiences, and we did out-of-school experiences to help enhance that. Now, we, and, and things differed so much built from building to building, which is, I think is another <laughs> crime, that in, in, in one building I worked with a set of educators who were extremely dedicated, and um they they did more than just a bare minimum. But then I worked in other buildings where, you know, they uh, people just says, well, I, I'm coming here, putting this, putting in my time, making sure the kids don't, don't kill each other and uh, send a few papers home with them, and, and I'm going home. And, you know, I just didn't understand how people could get away with that. But I said all that to say this. There are educators out there who make sure that their students get more than just the bare minimum. It's just unfortunate that they're not um, that, that that there are not as many as there need to be, and that they are so spread out over the over the uh, school system. And I, I'm I'm pulling my hair out sometimes trying to figure out how we can fix this. Well, I can 
give it at least an idea. Because the way I look at everything is at first you've got to realize how it was created before you can even begin to learn how to fix it. Just yeah. for the simple example of a car, per se. you got to know the whole engine got put together in order for you to be able to even start taking it apart and fix it. Um, and the single most important lesson of history that I've ever listened to was called The Ultimate History Lesson with John Taylor Gatto. And it was put on by the guys it was put on by the guys at tragedyandhope.com. You can just type in tragedyandhope.com, which is the name of the book that Carol Quigley wrote. And Carol Quigley was uh, Bill Clinton's mentor. And he's a globalist, obviously. But he lays out in that book everything that they've done through the education system. And what the guys at Tragedy and Hope did is they interviewed John Taylor Gatto, who wrote the book, um, I believe it was called Underground Education. And he lays out in this very long interview session with Richard Grove exactly how the school systems were taken over, how they were even created. I mean, did you know that the first public school was actually populated under gunpoint by the military? <laughs> oh, I, did. I didn't know that either. Yeah. And it's it's all in the it's all in the ultimate history lesson with John Taylor Gatto. Now you can just go onto YouTube because Rich posted them on Rich posted them on YouTube. You can watch them. You can actually watch the okay. you can actually watch it. Um but if you just want the audios, you can go on to tragedyandhope.com and then just search for the ultra, ultimate history lesson and you can just download them in podcasts. I have listened to those things probably four times. The whole entirety of the interview. Wow. Because what they've done is they, they'll they'll interview John for half an hour and then they'll pause for 10 to 15 minutes to have commentary between the six or seven of them that were all with all in process of doing this project together. And these are some of the most intelligent men and women I've ever found on this planet. They, they're, they're, every single one of them is well-read. Every single one of them knows their history. Every single one of them has spent thousands of hours in either legal libraries or in just libraries in general in various different subjects. And what these guys do is they bring them all together in one site and oh. brought and called appropriately Tragedy and Hope because that was Quigley's, Carol Quigley's kind of joke when he wrote that book, which was a 1,600-page novel of dry history that he had complete access to the Council on Foreign Relations libraries and all of their paperwork. And he wrote this book of dry history, basically for the elites. And when it came out, uh, a couple of the elites found out about it, and the book completely sold out. But they turned around and lied to Quigley and said that there was no interest in the book, which wasn't true. Uh, agents actually had got a hold of Macmillan, the public, the publisher, uh, uh, and they uh, went they went straight to the publisher and they shattered all the plates for the printing uh, of this book. Jeez, Pete, because they didn't because they did not want this information out about everything that the elites are doing. The, the name of the book is Tragedy and Hope by Carol Tragedy. Quigley. Tragedy and the full the full the full title is Tragedy and Hope: A History of the World in Our Time. 
Okay. And instead of John, how do you spell his last name? Oh, you're talking about Cato? Yes. Yes. G-A-T-T-O. G-A-T-T-O. I listened to that uh, YouTube, and he is fascinating. You can listen to hours and hours of what he has to say. Very succinct and uh, great. Thank you. Yeah, John is amazing. Well, until he had his few strokes. I mean, he's passed on now, but, I mean, it's... um, it's good that Rich got a chance to do everything that he did with him before he passed because the yeah. amount of knowledge that was in that man's mind is just stunning. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's Bob. take a l- little bit of time here. This is all good, what got said, and I'm glad we got it on the recording because we we have walked around and looked at our biggest problem tonight <clears throat> is expanding what we have put together, we need we need to go out to more people, and, and something is holding us back. But if we let's go for a minute to where we left off last week, and we were on answer twenty three on train the trainer. Uh, John, would you mind uh, doing a brief synopsis of of the aspects of train the trainer for us? Um. It was the purpose, the intent and purpose was to put together information and give it to the membership so that they could take it down to their counties and teach the people in the counties. The ones that couldn't afford to go to the state meetings all the time and so that we could all be on the same page, we'd all have the same information. And that was... It was, you know, like from A to Z, what what research that Robert and Marilyn put together. And they, their last, their last few years that they had together, uh, they spent their time working on this train the trainer information when they could have been enjoying their retirement days they were really dedicated. I'm sorry. It's okay. We we all feel that way too, John. Okay. And I've, I've thought that, uh, you know, how can we continue without Robert? And Robert said, you don't need me. You've got all the information. Every, all the research that we've done, now it's not to say that's the only research that needs to be done, but all the research has been done heretofore. It's all in that train the trainer manual, and it, if you get a copy, a complete copy that's organized, it's pretty easy to follow, and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, we spent several several months state meetings going through that train the trainer manual um, and a lot of people put a lot of effort into it you know collating the papers and trying to get it together for the other people when they got to the state meeting and they got 
pretty costly as far as the amount of paper and ink that it took to print out all the copies. But, you know, some people didn't feel the need. Uh, they couldn't see that it was mandatory. Well, the reason that it was mandatory is to have everybody on the same page so you'd be talking the same language, you'd be uh, emanating the same information to everybody and bringing everybody in together with a common goal of like mind. And I don't know, what else do you want me to say? <laughs> uh, that's, that's pretty good. The, the whole the whole trainer trainer is very unique because in a meeting, if someone asks a, a question that maybe only Robert could answer, he made sure that his answer was in trainer trainer. If he referred to a certain document, that document was in trainer trainer. So if you pick that book up, which is about four inches thick, and you mm -hmm. went to a county and you worked with people, and somebody stood up in the audience, you know, and said, well, how come? And it would be the same question that the member had asked of Robert. You could give that answer, and you could have all the supporting documents right there at your fingertips. So it made the trainer trainer was really a very unique uh, compilation of paperwork because everything was there. All the answers were there. All one had to do was, was lead or answer the questions, and it was perfectly all laid out. It's a, it's a grand uh, uh, compilation. It's a grand uh, uh, assembling of, of all this information and procedures and processes and, and explanations and blank copies and you know, forms it with all the information left out so you have an idea of exactly where you're going and what's going on. You know, it's just like like the perfect will, if you, you want to say that, you know, they'll leave behind all the directions that one would need in order to carry on. Right. It's quite, it's quite concise and it's quite complete. And, and we'll be... We're in the process now of, of adding to it. Uh, the officers' committee is working on vetting. We have a, a a real need to upgrade our vetting and get our vetting into a more perfect uh, document. And we're working on that now, and that will also become part of Train the Trainer once it's it's updated and, and refined. Mark, yeah, have you got something you'd like to add to train the trainer? Did you say Buck? Yes, I did. Yes, as a matter of fact, I had my finger on the button waiting for you. Uh, just to elaborate, John made mention of, so we're all on the same page. Also understand that we can be on the same page, but people read at different levels, and they can get 
different ideas out of a sentence or a paragraph than somebody sitting right beside them. And we did have some problems with different counties, people coming back and they were teaching their people this and that that wasn't quite adhering to our principles. Well, this train-to-trainer, by having the great knowledge of Robert and Marilyn and those people that were helping them, which are far above me, I know that, as far as understanding and, and knowing many laws and many maximums of laws that uh, are crucial in our lifestyle, this train-to-trainer, in our discussions, it brought it out so that everybody, when they were on the same page, also had the same understanding of it. Couldn't go back to their county and mislead people, not intentionally, but by having the wrong understanding, you can get things balled up pretty good. So this training the trainer manual put us all with the same, I'm going to use the word simplistic understanding of what it was trying to tell us, and it, it caused us to, to knit together better and to go forth, I believe, in in approaching closer to our mark than when we have to straighten out little messes because somebody just didn't understand it that way and they were off on a different tangent. This this put an end to it if you can if you can stay with it and hold it as the Bible of the training that you give to other people. Thank you, John, for what you put forth. Thank you, Paul, for what you put forth. It's the people having to understand what they're all about. Now, can I say something off that subject for just a minute? Absolutely. When David was talking about, uh, at the very beginning, about a paper in how to get more people involved, which we all have that concern, we understand that I was growing up, the word patriot was really a blessed word. I mean, people, when that word come out, their ears turned to hear what was being spoken. I think in the present generation, maybe the last 20 or 30 years, the word patriot and patriotism has lost its value, has lost its luster, has lost its deep-seated meaning. And until we can get people not to cringe back when somebody says, well, I'm with the patriot, patriot movement, I believe in what the forefathers told us how we were supposed to run this country, until we can overcome that stigma and the word patriot or patriotism is no longer looked at as a taboo subject matter, which people shy away from. I think all of you have met people that when you start to talk to them a little bit about the patriotic value of America, they kind of they kind of recede and pull back from me and get lost into the crowd. They don't want to hear anymore because of some of the bad things that have happened to patriots. But I think that's the root cause. Patriot has got to once again take its forefront as being the absolute of this country, and people need not to fear away from it. They need to draw into it and join themselves to that word, to that group of people that carry on that mentality and that agenda. Now, I guess I said enough. I'll, I'll pass. 
I'll contribute something to that. I decided to go jump on Adam online. So Patriot, noun, 1590s. From compatriot, from Middle French, and directly from Latin, patriotia, meaning fellow countrymen. From Greek, patriotes, fellow countrymen. From patrios, meaning of one's father. Patros, meaning fatherland. From pater, P-A-T-E-R. Genitive patros, meaning father. Uh, it also says see father. Uh, OT's suffix expresses state or condition. Uh, Lindell and Scott write that patriots were applied to barbarians who had only a common patros or being used of Greeks who had a common polis. Now, polis means of or of a free state. So, meaning loyalty and disinterested supporters of one's country, as attested from 1600, but became an ironic term of ridicule or abuse from mid-1800s. So, there's your aspect of what patriot is. Emily, is there, do you want to add to the trainer trainer? Um, I look at train the trainer as sort of like a uh, a Bible, so to speak, as to how you conduct your assembly business, uh, and it just gives. So much information uh, from the very beginning of the um, new members uh, video um, all the way through um, such topics as um, the covenant, um, the... um, functions and operations document. And it it just covers a a wide variety of what we need to be concerned about as an assembly. And that's very a a simplistic um, explanation, but that's basically what I see it as. And I yield. Thank you. We'll go on to the next answer is answer 24. Is a posting of a meeting site. When I ran a Patriot meeting many years ago, I always put signs on the doors that this meeting was procured through a private contract for a private meeting only those that are members may attend. So we had our door posted in the very beginning. So when we started meeting in different town halls and churches and different places where you'd have people walking in on you, we have this posting that's on the, on the entry door. 
so people come to the door they know that there's a private meeting there by private contract and if if they're not part of that they're not to be there in other words it's not a an open public meeting where they can just walk in any time they want and so when assemblies are set up or when you have an assembly meeting it's a good idea to put this this posting, I believe it's a good idea to put it on the entry door so people realize, you know, even though there's an assembly meeting there and people have been invited to come, well, we do it all through sponsorship, of course, that uh, you're posting your notice is what you're doing. You're giving notice that, that you control that room for a period of time and it's it's just not open for a free-for-all. And Anybody else from Michigan got any comments on on the uh, posting of the meeting place? It seems there was one other thing that should have been added to this list. I think there was an answer 25, but I can't. I can't remember what it was. You are correct, but I can't remember what it is either. Linda was going to write it down, but I do not remember it either. Well, on my list, number 25 is train the trainer. Working backwards was establish a mail location Oh, yeah. That was that was it, John. I think the mail location. Yeah, that was it. That was that was it. That's okay. another thing. That that was it. You're correct there. And and the reason the reason for that. I guess we talked about that on the last meeting, Paul. Paul brought out the information about the mail stop on that. Yeah, so actually answer 20, 25 is the mailbox. Yeah, that's very important to have that up because we have, uh, as an assembly, have given notice, and they, they need a response place. We never got a response back, but we have a response if you want a place to write to. If we, for contact purposes. On on all these 25 items, uh, David and Narveen, is there anything on that whole list that you have a question about or you want to ask about or comment on that we've yeah, gone over all these items? Yeah, I was going to ask about the Train the Trainer book. Okay. You and I had a fairly long discussion about how big that is at the moment. Um, is there any discussion about the potentiality of us taking a look at it, like, you know, you're giving it to Illinois and being able to be able to go through it and take a look at it and see if there's anything that can be done to tighten it up or to slim it up? Because you said it was a very, very, very long and large document. Yes, it is to the point where it covers all aspects from the 
from the very beginning of the very first assemblies and all the way through. But the documentation takes up a huge amount of all the uh, documents that are in there that, you know, uh, Constitution, Declaration of Independence, all the way down to uh, military documents. You know, a lot of the, the document itself, the trainer trainer is just documents, you know, so people don't have to leave the room. They can, once that is open, they can read right there what they need to back up the statements that, that are being made in the assembly. The uh, so truth of the matter is, this whole list is, is endeavors that every assembly in every state should be putting together. That that trainer trainer is for your your own I think the word is proliferate, you know, to expand on your own. I'll tell you what, you move to Michigan and settle in and, and become a member, and we'll show the whole thing to you. <laughs> How's that? Yeah. It's, uh, I, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, I don't mean to be smart-mouthed with you like that, but it's it's a document Illinois is going to have to put together eventually, but sometime along. I'll tell you what, David, the next time that we get together, I, as a matter of fact, when I get off this call, I, I got a call to Ohio. People are trying to put a meeting place together so we can have another joint get-together like we did in Marcellus. We'll bring that along, and you can take a gaze at it in a meeting, how that yeah, that's that's cool. Uh, I just get a general idea if there's anything like section-wise. I can, yeah, I can put together my own stuff. Obviously, um, yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about I was thinking about you know like chapters and stuff that, and if there's if I can boil it down to a point where, I can just add a few chapters to the grand jury manual, and in the assembly section of the grand jury manual, and leave it at that, then I can have a complete handbook for both sides mm -hmm. even though mine's even though mine's far more focused on how to run a grand jury and all the aspects of it and the whole entire first part of the yeah. grand jury handbook is basically a, a treatise on law yeah. and the stupid things are it is 275 pages but it's a requirement if you want to know the law so yeah I know I mean I understand about you guys wanted to keep your stuff, I guess. But eventually, when I get done with mine, I am, am I, after I make sure that there's a protection on it so nobody can come around behind me and copyright it and then make me pay for my own work, um, not that I want to make money on it, I'm going to hit every single heavy-hitting <laughs> man and woman that's ever come across my path in the last 22 years, and I'm going to say, look, you take this thing and you give it to everybody you know as fast as you can. Mm -hmm. I I just want to create I just want to create a tsunami so big that there's nothing that's going to stop it. I I have no I have no idea where it's going to go. Frankly, at this point, I it, after I release it, it'll be beyond me anyway. Because the people have to decide what the hell they want to do. It's not going to be up yeah. to me. It's going to be up to them. So I'm willing to give them all the information as to what they can do. What they decide to do is not up to me. 
Can Buck weigh in on this? Absolutely. Not, not to knock against David, but sometimes you have to have detail quite, quite engrossed to take away from where there are people that have a tendency they want to take shortcuts or whatever like that. This train to trainer spells out things pretty, pretty gut level down to the earth ground so that you can hardly get things twisted up. That's why it's of its magnitude of size is because of the detail that's in it so that people don't veer to the left or to the right. We will just say that it's pretty clear cut, people. I just I just don't see... In other words, what I'm saying, David, is I'm not discouraging you from wanting to make it a condensed deal on yours, but at some point in time with documents and other activity, paperwork of the assembly, you got to have something that is the ground cover that everybody can go back to and say, well, it's pretty plain right here. It's got to be like this. So don't take any offense, but that's my thought on it. And with that, I yield. No, I don't take any offense. And the reason that I think opposite is that I believe that every single generation has the right, absolute right, to make their own determination as to what direction they want to go with their lives and their existence and the creation and changes of science that all deal with it. And Jefferson said, basically, you should have a revolution every single generation. So if I were to write something down where it said, okay, this is exactly how you do all these various different things from this very, as you said, grassroots, absolute one, two, three kind of deal, people are going to come along later and say, well, it was, but it was, it was laid down like this. And they're going to think it's rigid. That's not what I want them to do. What I want them to do, I want to give them all the concepts and all the reasons, all the why, and give them just a little bit of how and tell them, and I say it all the way through my grand jury manual, I say the how is not up to me. It is up to you. But you have to understand the who, what, when, where, and why. That's all I'm trying to give them. The how is not up to me. Because eventually I'll be dead, and then liberty is not my problem anymore. <laughs> this is what Robert always said. He says, I laid out all this information. He says, I cannot understand it for you. When people would repeatedly come back with the same questions over and over and over after the material had been, you know, once it was placed in the trainer trainer, you know, that became his response at a lot of meetings. He said, the information is in the trainer-trainer. He said, you'll have to take it out of there. He said, we don't want to spend time in a meeting, you know, which which was true. You know, people that were members right along, and they were going to the trainer-trainer meetings, and every time we did a new section or a new chapter, people got a copy of all that information to put in their three-ring binder. So eventually, they had every piece of it. So, like, if we get on a call and you are at a certain place in the formation of the assembly and you said, how should we handle this, we can tell you precisely what needs to happen and we can lay it all out for you. But when it comes from your experiences, when it comes time for you to write your trainer trainer, 
says, oh, we had a snag here and remember this situation, but we can take you through it. But then in time, you'll have to, you'll have to put your own, uh, like an owner's manual for an assembly person is exactly what it is. You have all this information, you can, you can start and go from one end to the other. And you can perfect it and refine it along your way. We're getting yeah. towards the end yeah. of this call here tonight, and I just want to—I uh, want to say that Michigan has got some problems that we need some time to work on. And I've been running everybody pretty hard with two calls a week, and there've been some grumbling in the ranks. So it, we would like to get back and talk with you again, and and have time on the phone together and on this call together that the officers up to this point and way beyond, of course, have really enjoyed the experiment here that has turned out to be quite beneficial for us and we hope for you too. But we'd like to put this off until the 11th of July. Uh yeah, that's fine. Right. Truth be told, I yeah. Truth be told, I've needed to go back into my cave for a while because I got a lot of other things too that I need to do that I need to focus just pure time on to get certain things done. So yeah, <laughs> I'm in the same boat. But yeah, I I agree. Um, it'll be the 13th of July. I had the wrong day. It'll be the 13th of July. Okay. Uh, we have got to do some work on the trainer trainer and we we uh have got to get our ducks in a row on that document we've got to get our document straightened around and tuned up and uh we when we do we want to share with you you know our concerns for the vetting document the vetting document has to get some work done on it and uh we have to go back through our uh, uh, procedures and policy book. So, I'd like to mention something. Yes. Uh, during this time that we, you know, and this is sort of associated, but not just. Um, I don't know if anybody here on Michigan called, this is out of interest, knows of an, a Chinese artist by the name of Ai Weiwei, A-I, and the second, his last name is W-E-I-W-E-I. And he's, he's been arrested. He's the one who started the Jasmine uh, Revolution. He's now got, the reason I'm telling you this, um, is that he has got a new, I've heard, but I can't find it, a new show where he has got a kind of a Disneyland sort of thing, a resort area, or like a, um, a hall or something. I'm not sure exactly what, but it's kind of a entertainment kind of thing. And it's how tyrannical governments work. He's enacting it out. This guy is amazing, okay? And if you can see the movie called Never Sorry, it's not Never Say Sorry, Never Sorry. 
he documents how the tyrannical government arrested him uh, for his his uh, work. But when you look at it, you know, and you and I did see it. Um, if he was in America, he would have been behind bars. It is incredible the kind of liberties he took with the police. It's so. Just remember, if you if you have time to look at Never Sorry, but if I if I'm right, I just had seen that as a flash somewhere about this tyrannical government. Um, it would be a very very powerful um, shape changing event because he's internationally he makes a big difference in his statement. I yield. Marie, Marie, can you give Marie. us his name again, please? Yes, I A I V V W E I W E I, and he's been arrested uh, and been in the, in prison um, by the Chinese. And he started the Jasmine Revolution in a way that we should really learn from him. He made sunflower seeds, millions of them, handmade them on the floor of the Tate, T-A-T-E, in, in London, everyone who came in, and he told them, you can pick these uh, sunflower seeds and take them. So anybody who came in, he got their Twitter name and their address, and then he started contacting them, and the name of his revolution is called the Jasmine Revolution. Very controversial. Right now, he's in New York uh, making a show called Building Fences. Good fences make good neighbors. So he's building fences in New York. <laughs> it's very interesting, but this, have a look at the, the movie, Never Sorry. But if, okay. he is do, if he's doing what he's doing with the tyrannical government, I would be, oh my God, very happy. I we we. I we W E I E I W E I. Yes. Okay. Thank you. And You're I welcome. just want to say one more thing, if I could, to the um, uh, people on the call. I think this has been a phenomenal meeting. Lots of good information was shared tonight. So um, I thank you and I yield. I just went back to my notes. We've been on the uh, we've been on the phone together for five months, so this is this worked out far better than I would ever even would have expected. But uh, I kind of thought that maybe we'd be just answering questions, but you folks in Illinois have brought some. A lot of information to us that we didn't have, and we're extremely grateful for all your contributions. Yes. This is Joseph. I would like to um, comment on a few items. I know uh, you you are in the process of uh, ending the call, but I've been on the call since uh, 625, so I was listening to everybody and assimilating all the questions and the the, uh, responses and so on, Um, I would like to offer some of my observations and and, uh, based on some researches and so on 
but obviously today we don't have time. So what do you suggest when will be the best? Best time. Well, Joseph, uh, if you could hold that thought <laughs> until the 13th of July, we'd be more than glad to, uh, to pick up on that point at that time. Okay. May I make a suggestion? Yes, you may. I think that Joseph, because some of those thoughts I know from my experience with uh, working with Joseph, those thoughts would be very valid and very important, and I believe that uh, it would be very good to be able to see them on um, email, if you could you know, make a couple of notes of your thoughts, because they may be very uh, important for the moment and uh, something that we can develop in. And you could send it to us, us um, you know, circulate in the assembly as you as you do, but also uh, send it to Comsec okay. in Michigan, and we can sort of uh, let you know uh, let that be recorded and. Okay. Until, until July 13th, I do believe that when the thoughts come and they're important, that they must be captured and not lost because those, that happens. Yes, I, I truly enjoyed uh, the subject matter today. So, so and I consider it very, very important for for the foundation of all the new people who would reach the site and start reading about the about them because it's it's very very powerful and and. Uh, Provides all the necessary necessary uh, drive for people to learn more and more and more about about this this subject. This is a very 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 good subject. It's an important subject, I consider. And I yield. So, Joseph, is this good with you? If uh, if we pick up with you on the on the thirteenth of July. Sure. No problem. Well, yeah, because uh, uh, I've been thinking about having this conversation with every state, and I think there's a lot of people out there that know a lot, and there, there's a lot of frustration and anxiety of, of uh, how we have the realization and the information, and, and it's it isn't going anywhere. We. I think we had a very good call tonight and discussion in that aspect of assemblies. I well, it's 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 why we're all here and it's what it's all about. You know, it's kind of funny today. We've got we've got communication and information beyond our wildest dreams, and we're still, for the most part, living in the Stone Age. It it. It doesn't make sense. It seems like we everybody should be in good shape, but it's not. Well, thank you all for being on a call tonight. This is a super great call tonight. This was really excellent. Yeah. But we need a little reading space in Michigan. It's got some things that we need to spend our our time getting our documents up in shape and and attending to some of our own business. So. Thank you, Illinois. And if it's all good with you, we'll be back together on the 13th of July, if that's okay. Certainly. And okay. keep us posted about the elections that you're going to have on July 4th. 
and uh, wishing you all happiness and all the wonderful things for July 4th celebration. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, we will. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for uh, from Michigan for being on, and thank you, Nick, for running the board tonight and keeping us all connected. Uh, everyone stay safe, and uh, we will see you later on. Thank you. Good night. Thanks. Good, Good night. night. Good night. This will end this conference call for, for Thursday. June the 15th, 2017. We'll see you at 9 p.m. We'll see you back here sometime, I believe, on July the 13th, 2017, at the same time of 7.30 p.m. If I'm in the next good evening, I'm in the next good evening. I call my special man. Thank you. Have a good night.